We're this morning in a part two of a three-week series on prayer that we've titled Heard. And we've given it this title because of our total amazement and wonder that the God who created this universe actually hears our prayer. It's something I never get over. In fact, I've, I, this is the truth. I find myself again and again thanking God for this privilege. Because I, I mean, incredible to think of being able to connect with Almighty God. So if you're joining us this morning for the first time, you can actually watch last Sunday's sermon online at brookside.net. And Jeff was preaching, and he began this series with the question, why? Why should any one of us take the time to pray? What's, what's, our, what's our motivation for prayer? As I was sitting listening to Jeff last Sunday, I thought, boy, that is, you know, he's, he's giving the best answer to the right question. I mean, it's the right question for us to ask. But Jeff really nailed it with the answer that he gave. And I think it's, he, he did that because it's, the answer is at a, a 30,000-foot level. And he, he, Jeff did it by, by focusing on, on this statement. So why should I pray? Why should you pray? Really, it's because of who we're talking to, who we're talking to, and how he sees us, and the relationship it builds. I mean, think about it. When we... When we're pray, praying, we're talking to the creator of this universe, and this, this alone is motivating, but to add to it that, that he's holy, that he's perfectly holy, that he's, he's loving, so loving that he sent his son to be our savior, that he's wise, he's infinitely wise, he's understanding. God knows us better than we know ourselves, and he's powerful. God's unlimited in what he's able to do, and so you factor all of this in into who God is, you grab onto this, and, and really, it inspires you to pray. In fact, it, it, it makes me ask the question, why wouldn't I pray? Or why wouldn't I pray more than what I do, I, do all, I do right now when I consider who it is that I'm praying to? And then there's how God sees you, how God sees me. God sees each one of us as his child. And it doesn't get any better than this. I tell you what, I, I get a call or I get a text from Nikki. I don't care what I'm doing. It has my immediate attention. And, and if she's calling me with a need in her life, I, everything in me wants to help. And really, how could, well, how could I not? You know, with a little girl that, you know, when she was three years old, that absolutely cute. And, of course, right now, the most, you know, I have the most beautiful daughter in the world. Um, you know, and I, I, I especially am, you know, uh, just amazed at my biceps up there. So <laughs> thought it'd be good to show you all that. Okay? Now, now, just think of this. If, if it's been this way for me as a father with my two children, with all of my weaknesses, and, you know, think it that our God is this way for each one of us. And we grab onto this truth that God is this, this way with us. You know, you can't even measure how many times more in his love for us as his children. I mean, it, it elevates your motivation to pray. It really takes it to another level. And so, I, you know, as I, as I thought about all of this this week and how it also answers the question that we're asking about prayer this morning, the question 
what should I pray, or we could even word it this way, uh, what can I pray? What can I pray? I thought about all this, who God is and how God sees us. I thought, you know, it points us to one of the most important truths for us to know about what to bring to God in prayer. And as we talk about it this morning, I hope that that will just really sink in with you and into your own heart, your own mind, and have a profound impact on, on your own prayer life. And it's this amazing truth that there is nothing too big to bring to God in prayer, and there's nothing too small. Nothing too big, nothing too small. Imagine the biggest thing you could possibly ask God, and I'll guarantee you that it's not too big for God to answer. I mean, think about it. How could any prayer be too big for the creator of this universe? God who's infinitely wise and God who is unlimited in his power, in what he's able to do. How could any prayer be too big? I think it's simply impossible. There's just no prayer we could ask that would be too big. But it's equally true that there isn't anything too small for us to bring to God in prayer. And I think that's really important for us to understand because it'd be so easy for us to assume that the God who created the universe, for us to bring something that would be very small to God in prayer, that we, it'd be very easy for us to think that God wouldn't want to be bothered with that, that God wouldn't want to deal with that. The very opposite is true. The very opposite is true. And again, it all comes down, it all comes back really to how we see God and how God, you know, what we know about God and what we know about how God sees us, that God is loving and God's understanding and God sees you and God sees me as his child. There's never been anything in Greg and Nikki's lives that was too small for me to be interested in or care about. Their smallest worry, their smallest problem, their smallest desire has always had my attention. And as, my dad, as a dad, I can't imagine it any other way. And I'll say it again, if, if this is true of me in, in my human weakness, think of how much true it is for the God whose love and understanding are, is absolutely perfect. Nothing too big and nothing too small. So let's, let's take the next 25 minutes or so to talk about big prayers. Big prayers. And imagine yourself having the opportunity to be able to sit down with Jesus Christ, like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, You're sitting across the table from him, and imagine yourself being able to ask him the question where you would say, what is it that matters more to you than anything else? You know? you could, what's at the heart? What is, what is at the very center of what's important to you? And, and, and to be able to ask him the question, what, of everything that I can bring to you in prayer, what would be the most important for me to bring to you in prayer? What, wouldn't that be a great opportunity to have? I think it would be a great opportunity to have because prayer is something that you and I do not want to miss in our life. We, we, we don't want to go through our whole life and be praying for things and come to the end of our life and realize that, that really we had missed the opportunity to bring God, to bring to God the biggest and the most important things that we could. And I don't think any single one of us would ever want to do that. 
Well, I've got some very good news for you this morning. Uh, we've got the next best thing to being able to sit down and have a conversation with Jesus Christ. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into Scripture to find out what Jesus said in Scripture that matters most to him. And, and, and what we're going to see is that the biggest prayers we can pray have everything to do with the mission that Christ gave to the church, the mission Christ gave to us, which he did following his death and his resurrection, before his ascension into heaven, the last, the last uh, days that he had with his disciples, he, he gave to them what was to be the primary focus of their life, not only their lives, but, but the mission of every person choosing to follow him, including each one of us here today who've trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Matthew wrote it down, first book in the New Testament, wrote it down in the final chapter of his gospel, and some of you have read it, some of you have heard it many times, You've, some of us here today have heard, you know, more than a handful of sermons out of, out of these verses, but for some of you, it's all new, and so what I want you to know is that this is what the church of Jesus Christ is all about, and here's, here's what he said, this he said, go and make disciples of all nations, <coughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, I, we could spend more than one sermon on that, but it all comes down to this one statement, one simple statement, helping people find and follow Jesus. Helping people find and follow Jesus. Now, here's the deal about this. This has not been an easy thing to do. I mean, you might think it would be, but it hasn't. It's, been, it's far from easy doing it. In fact, if you, if you go back to the, in the, in the New Testament, go to the book of Acts, which is really the first history of the, of the early church as it began, or if you, if you read another book on history of the church, you will find out that, that believers have faced intense opposition in their efforts to fulfill this mission all the way down to the present moment, to this present year. Hundreds of thousands of men and women have lost their lives because of their faith in Christ and because of their efforts to tell other people about God's grace, God's salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, there, you may not realize this, there were more martyrs in the, last, in, the, in the last century than all the other centuries combined. And the 21st century, the century we're living in right now, is rapidly outpacing those numbers. And so you wonder, why is this happening? Why has this been so hard? Paul gives us the answer in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, and he helps us understand how serious the spiritual battle really is by pointing to the, uh, to the enemy who is behind the opposition that we're facing. And he does this because he wants us to know that this battle that we're in is one that we're never going to be, be able to win in our own strength. It's won only by the power of God. And this being true, prayer is, is essential to our strategy. And so this is what he writes, beginning in verse 10. He said, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's, he said, it, it's not against other people, but it's against the rulers, it's against the authorities, against, it's against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay? So Paul's saying our struggle isn't against people. The enemy we face is far more dangerous. It's Satan and his army of demons. He's saying, this is a, a spiritual battle that we're in, and it can only be won by spiritual weapons. And if you read the rest of that, that text, that chapter, you'll see that he, he goes on and he gives a list of each one of these weapons. And the last one is prayer. And so he said this. He writes and said, and pray, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. There's no missing what Paul's saying in that statement. He's saying if we're going to succeed in helping people find and follow Jesus, we've got to pray. We've got to pray big prayers. He, he's telling us without prayer, we, we don't have a chance. Prayer, prayer is absolutely critical to us being successful in the mission that's been given to us by Jesus Christ. We're to pray for ourselves. We're to pray for one another. We're to pray for fellow believers in our city and other churches in our city. We're to, we're to pray for believers throughout our nation. We're, we're to pray for followers of Jesus Christ all over this world so that together we're able to fulfill the mission that's been given to us by Jesus Christ. So here's what I'd like us to do this morning. I'd, I'd like us to see six different big prayers that we can pray. And so you've, if you've got your bulletin, I put it in there for you, what I'm going to be talking about this morning so you can follow it. And what I landed on in, in, in preparing this sermon is this graph or this diagram. And at the very center, we've got Christ's mission for the church, what, what we're to be all about, what the purpose of the church is, helping people find and follow Jesus. And then what we're going to see this morning are, are six different big prayers that we're going to pray that really target this, that, uh, that are centered around this mission that's been given to us by Jesus Christ. And, and as we go through each one of these, and we're just going to go through each one, as we do, you might go and you look at it and you go, well, man, I'm nailing that one. You know, I, I, I've been doing that. Or you might say, yeah, I've got that one, and I, and I got the fourth one. Or you might say, you know what, I haven't been praying for any one of these. Honestly, everybody, as, as I prepared this sermon... And it, as it developed, I began thinking to myself, this might possibly be the most important sermon that I preached in all of 2014, okay? So really dig into this with me. Will you just be totally involved in what I'm doing? So let's, let's here, here's what to pray. Here's, here's the first big prayer. Pray for wisdom and boldness to share the gospel. Wisdom and boldness to share the gospel. Paul made this first one very easy for us to find because he, he went right on to it in, in, the, in the next verses in, in Ephesians that we just read a few minutes ago. In verses 19 and 20, he said this for himself. He said, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, 
Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. <laughs> Let me ask you. Um, do you ever feel intimidated to have a conversation with somebody else about your faith in Jesus? Anybody? Ever like, oh, I don't know, you know, like, you know, you, you, you want to start talking about it, but then when the moment comes, it's like you just freeze up. Or, or, you know, or this, no matter how well you have learned how to share the gospel with another person, you know what to say you know it. I mean, you know what to say. But when you get in the moment of that conversation, you, man, you, you, you stop saying anything because you're worried you're going to forget what you learned. Anybody ever deal with that? Feel free to raise your hand if you do. Okay? Anybody been there? Really, honestly, you're not raising your hand. You don't have a problem with it? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of intimidating, right? How, how about people all over the world? How about fellow believers in Christ who are living in countries where if they tell another person about their faith in Jesus Christ, they could very well end up being put in prison, get beat up, or even die because of doing that. Do you think they feel intimidated at all? Absolutely. Okay? So I would say this is a, a very big prayer for us to pray. For ourselves and for fellow believers in Christ, especially for believers in Christ who are living in nations where they could very well suffer because of their faith in Christ and telling another person about that. And so praying for boldness and wisdom in sharing the gospel. Now, Jesus gives us four big prayers to pray. Okay, the next four that we're going to look at. And the first three of them that he gives are actually prayers that he prayed in his final hours before his crucifixion. I don't know if you're familiar, but he had taken his disciples and he had gone off this garden and he had spent time in prayer. And he, it, it's, it's, it's a powerful part of scripture. And we read about it in the 17th chapter of John's gospel. And in that, we find that he prayed for three things for all of us. Okay, so it helps us understand what we should pray. Three big things to pray. So the first one is protection. And this is, this is what he prayed in verse 15 of John 17. He, he said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Say, my prayer, not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one, protect them from Satan. See, everybody, this is where it's critical for us to be aware of what's happening to fellow believers all over the world. And it's just so easy for us to go through day after day, day after day, year after year, totally missing the suffering of our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, that, that statement, out of sight, out of mind, really applies here. We've, and so what we've got to do is we've got to be intentional in doing what it takes to make and keep ourselves very much aware of what's happening to other believers in Christ all over our world. Here, here's where magazines like Voice of the Martyrs, okay, if you want to write that down, you order that magazine. Voice of the Martyrs or a magazine uh, called World, World Magazine where they can be so helpful because they help us stay current on what's happening to Christians in, in crunch, countries where Christianity is opposed. Uh, for example, did you know that for Christians in the Middle East, 2014 has been an absolute disaster? It's been terrible. 
All because of the severe attacks of, and I'm sure we've all heard of the Islamic State, right? ISIS. In countries like Iraq and Syria and Lebanon, thousands, literally thousands of Christians have, have, have been killed. They've lost their lives and many more have become refugees in other countries. And we've got to be aware of that. In fact, I, I, I read recently that in Iraq, where the Christian church had actually been quite large at one point, they are now estimating that the number of Christians still living in Iraq is less than 20 people right now. You know? And there's been that many deaths and that many people who fled the country. And, and then there's, there's a whole list of other countries, countries like North Korea and China and Russia, where people really do not have religious freedom. Don't miss this, okay? As much as praying for the physical safety and, and release from prison for our fellow believers in other countries, you and I, even more important than that, we should pray for believers to be strengthened, to be faithful, to persevere in their commitment to Christ. Very important to pray. Big, big prayer. Hey. Next one is righteousness. And, uh, and Jesus prayed this prayer in, John, in verse 17. He said, Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. The word sanctify is all about being righteous. It means to be set apart for God. It means to live a life like Jesus Christ. And, and so when Jesus Christ looked down into the future of the church, this is one of his prayers. He, he prayed for, for all of us who follow him to live righteous lives, to live lives like he lived, right? Big prayer. We can't afford to miss uh, you've heard me recommend this book before, and, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep recommending it until it's out of print or, you know, I'm gone, okay? I, I just really believe in this book. It's, it's called a, a, a Call to Spiritual Reformation, Priorities from Paul and His Prayers. The, the only thing I, I would change about that book is the title, okay? It's like, let's just call it prayer, uh, you know, Paul's Prayers or something like that, but it's a great book. I've... What I love about this book is how it unpacks each one of Paul's prayers for believers in the early church. Prayers that, that show us what to pray for ourselves and what to pray for each other so that you and I are able to live holy lives. You see, I think I've read this book at least six times, and I'm going to read it again next year. And I can go all the way back to the 1980s when I began praying the prayer that Paul prayed for the Colossians, which is one of the prayers that Dr. Carson talks about in his book, I have prayed that prayer uh, for myself. I prayed it for Becky. I prayed it for Greg. I, I prayed it for Nikki. I prayed it for every person who's a part of this church, almost without exception, without missing a day. That, that has been a part of my prayer, praying Paul's, the same prayer Paul pray, prayed for the Colossians. Okay? See, sometimes it's so easy for our prayers to get on a surface level. And that's why it's so good for us to read a book like that, written by someone who, who thinks deeply, to help us get much deeper in our, in our own prayer life and to really help us understand what's, what's, how can I pray when I pray for people to live righteous lives powerful prayer, powerful book. And so, I've, 
you know, you've heard me mention this book before, and it might be that you've said, you know what, that might be a good book. Steve might be right. Maybe I should try that book. Well, I am right, okay? And, and so I, I want to I challenge you this morning. Get this book. Don't let, don't let another year go, go by without getting it and reading it. And I can promise you something, especially if you memorize one of those prayers. And I've done this with the guys that meet with me on Thursday morning, every one of them. And I, every week, I'll, they, they never know when I'm going to call one of them. I'll say, okay, give me the prayer. And they have been praying this prayer for over a year now, each day, okay? Their own prayer that they picked, one of Paul's prayers. And I, I just challenge you, do it, and you won't regret it, okay? And I'll tell you what, it'll have a huge impact on other people. Here's the next one, unity. Jesus prayed for unity. And he, he said this, all right? He said, I pray for those who will believe in me, that all of them may be one. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know. Then the world will know that you sent me and, and, and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, don't get confused about this. This isn't unity for the sake of unity that we're to pray for. That, that's total nonsense, okay? It's, it's, it's not us praying for for, for unity where truth is compromised, okay? We're, we're to pray for unity that is built on biblical truth. And Jesus prayed this because he knew the power of believers united over what's most important to God, and he knew the damage that's done when those of us who are followers of Christ divide over issues that simply do not matter. And so again, that's a very big prayer for us to pray, to pray for unity among believers. So, Jesus gave us this, mis this mission uh, uh, that you and I are to help people uh, find and follow, follow him, follow Jesus, and these are the prayers that we've looked at so far. Wisdom and boldness to tell others the, the gospel, to share Christ with them, protection, righteousness, and unity. There's two more. Okay, two more that I want us to see, and they're fun. I loved, I loved working on this sermon. It was like, it was like I was having that conversation with Jesus Christ and, and through Scripture, and he was just he was helping me understand each one of these. And, and so here's the next one. I just love finding this one. It's for workers. You go like, what? Workers? What are you talking about? I took that right from the lips of Jesus himself. And, and, and we're to pray, we're to ask God to send workers into his harvest field. And I'm quoting Jesus there. Let, let me show you this. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. And it's a prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray when he saw the desperate need, desperate spiritual need of the crowds of people that were following him. And so here's what we read. Uh, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, that's the gospel, and healing every disease and sickness. It keeps getting better. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, and this is the part, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers 
into his harvest field. Okay? Now, while it's true that every one of us, every single one of us who are believers in Jesus Christ are called to bring the gospel to other people. That's for all of us, okay? That's true. It's also true that there are those men and women that God calls to devote their entire lives to this work. It's, it's like that's their job. That's their mission. That's, that is, they don't have any other kind of a job. Every part of their life is devoted to this. And if you look back on the history of the church, they've been critical to the church fulfilling its mission. Now, Jesus knew this was going to be true. And so that's why he told his disciples to pray this prayer. And, and friends, the thing for us to know, it's a prayer that we shouldn't stop. We should keep on praying it. Each one of us should pray for God to send out these, these kind of workers from our church, which, I have good news, God's already done. Okay? I want to give you four examples of people from our church, grew up in our church, who have gone out. It's kind of fun. I picked four of them that are from very different parts of the world. So this past week, as a staff, we were privileged to have Christy Taylor, who grew up in our church, come and share her ministry with us. And I got to tell you, as I sat and listened to Christy share her ministry, I felt like I was in the presence of a budding spiritual giant. It's just wonderful. Here she is. She's off in Athens, Greece. And she's working in a refugee center with Middle Eastern refugees. And what just happened recently, we should just be so proud of Christy, is she's been promoted, so now she's leading the team there. That's one of our own, you know? And it's, I believe Christy's there because people prayed, okay, for God to send workers into the harvest field. And then a few weeks ago, you heard Miguel Shaw up here preaching. You know, and Miguel and his wife, uh, Kristen, are church planning in the Dominican Republic. Can I just go? I mean, anybody who knows Miguel, you go like, wow, this is so cool. This is just so great. You know, you know, Christy, I heard a fun story this week, though. Christy and Miguel were in youth group at the same time when John Alford was our, our youth guy. And I guess Christy went to Johnny Alford suggesting to him that maybe Miguel shouldn't be in youth group anymore because he's so disruptive. So I, Chrissy, I hope you, I already told her for service so it's too late and you're going to have to have a conversation with I just love that. You know what I love about that story? That's the grace of God because I knew Miguel. Miguel was Miguel, you know, and, and uh, but look at, you know, he's a beautiful kid that God just pulled in to serve him in an amazing way, okay? And then there's Rob and Melody Adams. Rob grew up in our church, and, and Rob now and, and his wife Melody are leading a team of 13 people in church planting in, in India and seeking to reach upper caste Hindus. I mean, isn't that amazing? And then we have Ingrid Kimmons, who's a part of our church growing up. And Ingrid is now in a country, probably many of us here are like, where is that? You know, Mongolia, all right? Let me tell you, everybody, that's not Florida, all right? Mongolia, it is cold. And when they define what it means to have winter, you know? And she's up there 
as a single woman serving God in evangelism and discipleship. I would say keep on praying. Keep on praying for God to call workers to go out into his harvest field. In fact, you know what? I want to I put out the challenge to you to ask God to, to call one of your children this way. I can't think, I think that that's a pretty decent, pretty big prayer to pray for one of your children. I'm glad my parents did that for me. You've heard me say that I was going to be an architect from the time I was a sixth grader, and I can still remember the day that as a high school kid, I was in, in my senior year of high school, I was walking up the steps in our farmhouse, and my dad followed me, and I was going like, what's this about? And, and he said, Steve, and I mean, I was like three quarters of the way up, and he said, you know, I've got a question for you. Have, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And I remember turning around, I can still see it, and going, Dad, that's nuts. I would never do that. I'm going to be an architect. And, and, and my dad said, well, I'm, I was just wondering because your mom and I have been praying for you since you were a little kid that you would be a pastor, you know. And I'm not, I'm not telling you that because I think pastors are so special. I'm just saying, you know, it's God answered their prayer, okay. One more big prayer. Understanding spiritual truth. Understanding spiritual truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul provides us with insight to the reason for what's hap what, what was happening in his world then and what's happening in our world today. And he makes this statement that's so startling. He said, he said the God of this age, and that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that shows the glory of Christ. What, what he's talking about is that you go all the way back to Adam and Eve. Satan has been working to, to deceive people into be, believing lies about God and lies about themselves. And, and you can go from one generation to another, and it seems with every generation, his lies take a new twist. And he's, he's doing that right now. Same old lies, but each time crafted into a new form of deceit. And, and so you see, the truth is, Satan's lies do have a tight grip on the minds of people. And prayer is critical to breaking this, this grip. In fact, I would say without prayer, it, it just won't happen. Which means, very practically... As much as we want and should prepare ourselves to answer the hard questions and give reasons for our faith, it is absolutely critical for us to pray for the Spirit of God to bring understanding of spiritual truth to another person. It just won't happen any other way without us praying. One of the biggest prayers we can pray. So, I am so thankful that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to ask Jesus what matters the most to him? We know that. He's told us. He gave us the mission. It's, it's to find, it's to find, uh, and it's to help people find and follow him, to follow Jesus. And he gives us all of these prayers, these six prayers that we can pray. We don't have to guess at it. And every one of those are big prayers. There's a powerful promise it's given to us in Scripture about prayer. I read it recently in my own personal time in Scripture. John wrote it down in uh, the first of his three letters at the very end of the New Testament. I don't know if you know about, you know, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And in, in chapter 5 of 1 John, he said this, powerful. He said, 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Do you hear that? Do you get that? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. You know, it excites me. I mean, it excites me to think many of us praying these big prayers, knowing that every one of those prayers are in God's will, giving us the confidence that God is going to answer each and every one. I mean, it's true. There are some prayers. I don't know if you relate to this or not, but there are some prayers you and I can pray where we wonder, I don't know, you know, I don't know for sure if God's going to answer that one. I don't, you know, like, let me give you an example. My wife, Becky, spent the whole night throwing up, okay? She's sick right now. Um, and, I mean, really throwing up. And so, I, in the middle of that, okay, the middle of the night when, you know, she disturbed me and woke me up, you know, um, bothered me in my sleep, you know. And, but uh, I prayed this prayer. I prayed, God, please just let me not get sick until after 9 o'clock on Tuesday, you know, because I, I just got so much I got to do. Now, I got I to be honest with you. Th that's not a prayer I'm so sure God's going to answer, okay? I might be throwing up this afternoon, you know. I, I, but there are prayers that we can have absolute confidence that God's going to answer. I mean, we can absolute confidence. There's, there's ab there is no doubt about it whatsoever that God will answer those big prayers. On Friday, I had a conversation with a father. He told me that this week as he was praying with his children, he had a sense that he's been missing what really matters to God in prayer. And he said to me, you know, Steve, I, I thought about how easy it is in prayer to default to the same things over and over again. Anybody relate to that? Where you just kind of got a rote prayer that you pray over and over with your kids, kind of the same thing all the time. And he said to me, you know, you know, he said, in my prayer, I need to get in the game with what really matters to God, even when I'm praying with my children. You know, I think he represents all of us. Every one of us, I, I really think we all want to pray prayers that make a difference in the spiritual lives of people, don't we? I, we want to pray for those things that, that really matter the most to God. And, and that's why I, I think this might be the most important sermon I've preached all year, really. And I'm so grateful for the Spirit of God giving me this idea of this diagram because it just removes all doubt, all question in our mind. What, what really is a big prayer? What really matters the most to God? We got it right there. We got it right there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something beginning tomorrow or today even, okay? I'm going to ask you to make this a part of your prayer each day. In fact, you know what you could do? You could pray for one of these one day, another one another day, another one another day, you know? 
wouldn't even have to pray for all of them every day. And as you look ahead to 2015, I just want to put this challenge out that you'll make that part of your daily prayer. And you know, I thought for service that you know, maybe have everybody raise their hand and, and say they do it, but I thought, no, nah, I really want you to think about it. I don't want anybody to make a hasty commitment. But I hope you will. I hope you will. Let's pray, and then we'll worship. Okay. Father, I, um, I truly am in amazement that I can, in a moment, be in conversation with you in prayer. That just never ceases to amaze me. And Father, how you have told us, you have promised us that if we ask anything that is in your will, that that prayer will be answered. And so, Father, we, we have confidence to come to you in prayer with big things because of who you are and because of how you see us, the relationship we have with you as your children. And, Father, we have confidence to ask you these big prayers not only because of who you are and the relationship we have with you, but also because, God, you promised to answer those prayers. And so I pray this morning, I ask that, that your Holy Spirit would just work in each one of us. And Father, may we believe in this so much, so deeply, that we'll make a commitment to be intentional in our prayer and to pray prayers that truly do matter to you. For your glory, and in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.